Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Best damn day of the week here in the basement. It's a Josh Allen Tuesday. Josh will be coming here shortly. We'll talk everything. The huge comeback against the Ravens. I thought the Bills couldn't win close games. We're going to talk about looking ahead to playing the Steelers. He faces Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett's first ever start. It's going to be at Buffalo. We get his review of Groundhog Day. We're going to play age-old question. It's great. It's going to be a great, great, great appearance because we're right in the mid of the NFL season now, my friends. Speaking of that, we're going to talk about the... Um, the last of the game last night, the Monday football game, we got Rams and Niners. We have to get into, you see there's a fan on the field, and Bobby Wagner just lit him up. Do you really know what happens when a fan runs on the field, like legally and criminally? I thought I did. We did some research on it. It's great. And uh, all kinds of things we're going to have to talk about, including Dallas Cowboys. I'm invigorated on the Cowboys. I'm fired up about the Cowboys. Why don't we just start the show? Speaking of fired up, let's go to the Sky Cam. Let's make it two in a row. I sank it yesterday. Come on, just over the front of the rim, bend the knees. Yeah, I'll take it. Ah! Right off the glass. I didn't call glass and I don't care. Let's do what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. I've never loved the Cowboys more. Certainly not since I was a kid. The Cowboys right now, I love that they're not rushing Dak back. I love that they're winning. Normally, I, as you know me, I've been on record of this many times, I detest over-talking the Cowboys because it's just a bunch of fluff and nonsense and ratings grabs, and it's all about more sizzle than steak. We got steak now. I love the Cooper Rush Cowboys. They have won three in a row. They're playing a very solid, but completely unspectacular style of offense. It's great. They have this formula where Cooper Rush goes out and he throws for 180-ish yards, one touchdown, not two, one, no interceptions. He hands it to Pollard, he hands it to Pollard, he hands it to Zeke, he hits CD ones, and they just play D and let Micah Parsons wreck shop and just make a few plays, and that's it. It's awesome. It's not sexy at all. There's no show. There's no Jerry World Circus. I don't know how many jerseys they're selling, and I don't care. They're winning, and I love it. And we are on the precipice, my friends. I don't know if you give a crap about the Cowboys or anything, but we are on the precipice of what is potentially a great, great sports topic, which is the Cooper Rush keeps winning, and Dak Prescott keeps getting healthier, and they're like, we keep winning with this guy, but we owe you half a billion dollars. And it's so great. And I've said this on this show. I've said it over and over. Pay attention to the sound bites coming out about Dak Prescott's injury. They're going to get vaguer and vaguer, and they're going to try to just lend this themselves to saying, yeah, we're taking it slow. We're taking it slow. Whereas if Cooper Rush sucked, or if they're on a four-game losing streak, they'd get Dak's butt back out there. Uh, asked today, 105.3 The Fan, Jerry Jones, asked if Dak can grip the ball. He says, quote, uh, no, uh, uh, not not well enough to play. See, that's perfect. Can he grip the ball well enough to play? You can ride that for a month. It's not like, well, did he pass the test from the orthopedic surgeon or from the trainer? Is the bone healed? Are the ribs healed? Can he run? It's just, can he grip the ball? Certainly there's different degrees of gripping the ball. You can play with that. It's malleable. We can keep him off the field. Because here's what I'm saying. 
Obviously, Dak is the future, and he's paid, and he's talented and everything. I'm not saying Dak is going to be not have a future with the Cowboys. I'm saying right now I don't want him to have a present with the Cowboys because if you think this is good now, Cooper Rush has won three in a row. He's not thrown an interception yet. He's undefeated as an NFL starter. Three wins this year. So here's where we're going. Three and one Cowboys. This week, you're playing the Rams. Them coming off a short week. Not looking good at all. Probably won't need a lot of points to beat them. Let's say the Cooper Rush Cowboys beat the Rams. And that's four in a row. Then, this is when it gets really good. At Philadelphia, Sunday night football. Cowboys-Eagles playing the best team in the league, the only undefeated team in the league. couple things here. If Cooper Rush were to beat the Rams and beat the Eagles, then they're 5-1. and one. You've won five in a row, including wins over the Super Bowl champs and the only undefeated team in the league. Do, can you honestly sit them down? Can you? Or do you say, we love you, Dak, but we're going to ride this thing out? I don't want it touched. There, I, I don't care who's more talented, who has more money. There is a thing in sports called chemistry, momentum, intangible beliefs that they have with Cooper Rush, and it's all dependent on him winning these two games. But I'll give you another scenario. Cooper Rush right now is three and one, three in a row. They beat the Rams this weekend. Okay, he plays fine, does the same thing, and they win 20 to 16. Dak says, I'm back. They say, all right, Dak, you're back for the Philly game. They put him in, and Dak makes his return in national television. It's just a Cowboys gasm. It's everything they love. Dak comes out against the Eagles, stinks up the joint. Two picks, a fumble lost, they lose 31 to 20. Then what? Then it's, what the hell? Get Cooper Rush back in here. What are we, we were winning games with him. Then it's a catastrophe. I absolutely love it. I love it. It is exactly why you show up. It is, it, we're going to see where the Cowboys' loyalties lie. Again, I know a lot of things have to happen for this to happen. Just let me believe. Let me have my storyline. You want to do the same old Cowboys nonsense, that's fine. I want Cooper Rush the next two weeks. I want him to win. I want him to win against Philly. And I want him sitting at a big, fat 5-1. and one, And I want to hear them justify why we really think we should put Dak back out there. Because, you know, he can't grip the ball yet. And there's going to come more. The grip thing is going to be fine. Again, it's going to be, we want to do uh, what's best for Dak in the long run. And we're thinking long term. That's all lies for we want Cooper Rush on the field right now because he's better. Now... I'm not saying this is going to go Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe, because there's too much money involved and you, you, Dak just has to be the thing. But that is what happened. You know, Bledsoe gets, was the man, he makes all the money, he's a superstar, gets hurt, Lewis, Tom Brady comes in, that's it. Cooper Rush is not Tom Brady, Dak Prescott is not Drew Bledsoe. But there's just a little bit of that little tasty morsel of similarity. I'm so into it. And I really like the way the Cowboys play, because they're actually tough. And they win ugly. They win the same way the Giants do. Just ugly, low-scoring, effective football. Whereas it's like, Jerry, would you really rather win 20-16 to 16, or would you rather lose 52-47? to 47? I honestly don't know. He'll say, I'd rather win. I don't know. Would you? I'm just not sure. But I love this brand. Not since, you know, the Aikman triplets and all that stuff. All those Tony Romo teams, all these uh, Dak Prescott teams, more style than substance. More sizzle than steak. This team, this Cooper Rush Dallas Cowboys team is a beautiful, perfectly seasoned, I'm talking like a fire-seared, aged-out, porterhouse, medium-rare, maybe with a little blue cheese crust on it if you're just feeling drunk, and a side of garlic mash and a big martini. I don't even need the martini. It's a glass of water. It's Cooper Rush. But I like it, and I'm eating it, and I want to keep eating it. That's what I love. Let's get to what I hate. Let's do it.
I hate how the Rams look right now. You saw the Monday Night Football. I hate it because I really like Sean McVay. I, I, I think there's good people with the Rams. I think McVay's awesome. I think he's legit. I think he has a chance to be a legend. I've met him. I like him. He's cool. He's genuine. He's, he's engaging. It's just someone that I unabashedly root for. Here's what you need to know about the Rams right now. The record for most receptions in a season, single, single player, is 149. 149 catches. Uh, Cooper Cup right now, if they keep playing the style of offense, is going to finish with 179 catches. I'm not exaggerating. That's the actual math. Which means that he would break the record by 30 catches. And that's horrible. No, one, You don't want that. That's not an offense. That's not sustainable. You don't want a guy catching 179 balls until they inevitably go to a 23-game season. But we'll get there down the road. It's just there's nothing going on. Matthew Stafford is totally lost. And listen, I think McVay can fight his way out of it. Like, McVay has had games, they put up nine points last night. McVay's had a couple games where he put up six. I think he put up six against the Ravens. He definitely put up six against the Matt Nagy Bears a few years back. But McVay can get his way out of it. I don't know if, if Stafford can get his way out. I'm just going to throw some darts while I talk Stafford. He's throwing darts to the wrong team. Um, here's the deal with Stafford. Oh, look, we went to Skycam. No, I'm just playing. This is what you do in the basement. You just play, you talk Matt Stafford, and you play. It's all kinds of fun. So, um... You get into the nitty-gritty, like the PFF, the real analysis. Passes over 20 yards. Just the passes that go over 20 yards in the air. Uh, this year, on those throws, he is 3 for 14 with an interception. Last night, against the 49ers, he threw two passes over 20 yards, both of them incomplete. Last year at this point, he had three touchdown passes that traveled over 40 yards in the air. You understand where we're going with this? It's really bad. Matthew Stafford, I know he's not getting protection, but a lot of guys aren't, is either injured, just uncomfortable, or just plain old. Injured, uncomfortable, or old. And he might be all three, but he can't be none of them. There's no way that a guy of his experience that old, I mean, if you've seen his touchdown and interception numbers, it's crazy. He just drops back and looks for Cooper Cup, and then if the Cooper Cup is not open, he throws to Tyler Higbee. It just sucks. I like the idea of a defending champ. You know, I didn't like when the Bengals and the AFC started 0-2. That's not that fun. But this Rams team is off to the worst start under McVay. They're not 0-4. Don't get me wrong. They're 2-2. But the worst McVay's ever started, even back as a rookie head coach, youngest all-time, was 3-1. 2-2. And, and, like, there's no plan after Stafford. Like, Stafford is the guy. And it was a feel-good story. He changed his career around. He won a Super Bowl. He's in phone commercials. All this. It's, it's awesome. It's been really bad. And I love watching Cooper Cup, but like I don't need him catching 179 balls. That's not an offense. And I have him in a PPR league. I still don't want to see it. I hate how the Rams are playing. I think McVay will coach his way out of it. I hope Stafford can go with him. Let's get, though, to something else from happening to Monday Night Football. Levi Stadium in California, Rams versus Niners. That, my friends, is what's hilarious. Let's go. So uh, I remember a long time ago, uh, there was a Browns fan who went down on the field, and it was Browns Steelers, and this was probably 15 years ago, and he was just this drunken idiot in a hoodie, running around, yeah, let's go! And James Harrison, who is maybe the worst person in NFL history that you'd want doing this, came up from behind him, grabbed the Browns fan, and just straight up suplexed him. It, it, was, it wasn't a belly-to-belly, -belly, it was from behind, suplexed him down into the ground, and just held him down until security would get him. That is still the standard for players defending their turf against yahoos who run on the field. But we had, it's not, we had an entry last night. There's not the GOAT, but it's good. And we were at, there's Rams Niners. If you didn't see this, it's complicated. We can't show it to you because there's all kinds of rules about game broadcasts. And 
It's an interesting thing. A fan ran on the field, and not only ran on the field, had one of those smoke things, like you look like you're doing a gender reveal or something, but it's, it's I don't know what they're called, a flare, they got the plumes of pink smoke around it. And this is at the Niners game. So here's the thing, these morons, I wish I could give them some ground rules. One, don't do it. But two, if you're going to do it, stay away from the visiting players. Because they're triggered as hell, they're not on their home turf, they're in enemy territory, and they already got their guard up. So this idiot runs right by the Rams sideline. I mean, basically right down the sideline like he's toe-tapping the line. And Bobby Wagner, again, one of the best people you could ever have to do this, just lights him up. A full-on lower-the-shoulder forearm shot, drops this person, the, the plume of smoke goes flying... And, you know, it's in a way, it's, it's comical because the guy's a buffoon and Bobby Wagner jacks him up. And, you know, we have our, our bloodlust for football, let alone for morons on the field. But afterwards, Bobby Wagner, who's a really, really smart guy, I always had a lot of respect for him. He's like, look, I don't know what this person's doing. I don't know what they have in their pockets. They're in front of our sideline. Like, I, this is, it's not a funny thing. What if this is a maniac? What if it's a criminal? What if it's a bleeping terrorist? And I totally respect that. So... The guy goes down there, he gets jacked up, and what's interesting is that, you know, the, the main ESPN feed, they can't show it. And then we've seen this for decades, and they'll go back to whoever it is, Al Michaels or Joe Buck in the field, and they'll say, well, we got someone who wants to, who's had a few too many beers in the field, and they cut away, and they cut away so that you don't give the person their 15 minutes of fame, and he doesn't encourage other people to do it. Well, on the Manning cast, they showed it, and Peyton's sitting there directing traffic and saying, look, the A-team... Can't show it. The B team should be able to show it. And sure enough, they showed it. They showed the Bobby Wagner hitting the guy. And Eli makes jokes about why isn't the guy naked? He should be a streaker. And it was just spot on. And Eli is right about that. So this wasn't a drunken Yahoo like who runs on the, the course at a, you know Augusta and it says 19th hole on his back with an arrow pointing down. One of those naked guys. This was, I have a cause about treatment of animals and blah, 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 blah. So, naturally, the way you go about that is run on the football field. I liked this tweet. Uh, my guy, Blaze, who I go way back with, he tweets, here's his solution for political people on the field. If you run on a football field with some political slogan on a shirt, they should lead you off with the opposing political view on a sign and hung around your neck. It's an interesting suggestion. So, if someone says, runs on about... Treatment of animals. Leave animals alone. They're friends, not food. Fine. But if you're an idiot and run down on the field for that, you should be dragged off with the sign that just says Burger King. (laughs) Or like, uh, I love animals. They're delicious. So whatever those bumper stickers say. And maybe you should be, what are those things called where you put your head and your arm and your arm, the, the stockades or something, when they used to do it like in the town square? And you should have to, his suggestion is reverse political message. Whatever it may be, if you're if you're in favor of whatever thing, it's it's your um, you're against guns. You got to put pro guns. You're against all the heavy ones. It's the opposite, and I think that that would be sick because everyone get their Instagram pictures and stuff. But more to the point, I'm just in all kinds of diatribes today and all kinds of side shoots. I'm scattered. I'm excited. Josh Allen is on today. You see the idiot last night get hit by Bobby Wagner, and everybody has a few laughs and they drag him off. Do you know what actually happens? I'm talking legally, criminally, afterwards. Because it's not like they just take him out and like throw him out of a bar. It's not that way. We did the research here at Kyle Brandt's Basement, and we looked up exactly what happens if you run on the field. And it's often a state-to-state issue. 
the standard issue, the kind of the generic uh, issue, punishment across the world, least across America, is you get a night in jail. I mean, you're, you're, you're arrested. You're taken to jail, and you get banned by the stadium. So if you go to a Padres game and you run on the field, you get taken to jail maybe, or you get a Petco Park, but it's a state-to-state thing. In the state of Ohio, for example, run on the field, let's say, at a Browns game, like the James Harrison guy I mentioned, or an Indians game, uh, punishable up to six months in prison. Six months? <laughs> that's, that's a long stretch. And a $1,000 fine. Now, I don't know if anyone would ever get six months. That they Up to six months is always bleeding. New York. This is interesting. This is where I am right now. There's something called the Calvin Klein Law, and I, I really mean this. Calvin Klein apparently walked in, onto the Knicks court in Madison Square Garden and whispered something to Latrell Sprewell up to a year in jail and a $25,000 fine here in New York. Now, I need to know what Calvin Klein whispered to Latrell Sprewell because, again, all the guys I'm going to walk up to on the floor and whisper to Latrell Sprewell, it wouldn't be that. I would, I would definitely go to Allen Houston first. Or maybe Marcus Camby. Spree. Spree's a wild one. We know that. A lot of stuff going on there. But apparently there's a rule there. In California, but this is most important as it pertains to the last night. Um, moron runs on the field. Bobby Wagner jacks him up. The plume of smoke goes flying. Apparently the law in California for someone who runs on the field is a fine not to exceed $250. A fine. So that person last night, I guess they get arrested, 250 bucks. So basically you get like a really stiff steak dinner or bar tab, and then that's it. I saw pictures. It was in the man, and then there was a woman, I guess, who got caught before she got on the field. And they're just out taking a picture, and they're like, hey, because they had already been let out. And they're like, yeah, 250 bucks. We got our message about there. People are talking about us. Our picture's going across there. What is, what, why is that? Someone who runs on, and I, like, I've been to a lot of different sporting events. You have too, different sports. And frankly, like, I've been hammered at a lot of sporting events. I've never thought about running on the field. Not seriously, you joke about it. But I, I just can't imagine what, what a loser I would feel like doing that. And if you do, I think it should be mandatory, mandatory jail time. And I think you should not be allowed to attend a sporting event. And maybe in the state. So if you do it at a Niners game, that guy should not be able to attend Dodgers, Lakers, anything. You name it, Chargers, um, Kings, you can't go to any of them, and you have to go to jail. Notable incidents, I'm I'm going to try to get to the headliner here. In 2010, a fan was tasered on the field at a Phillies game. Good, tase them. Get off the field, tase them. Uh, The Super Bowl in 2021, a guy went on the field because he had a bet that there would be a streaker, so he did it, which is actually kind of some hustle, but then the company wouldn't pay the bet. This is the most important thing. I don't remember what we went with. Is it Morgana or Morgana? I don't remember. But do you know who the kissing bandit is? We're going to have Josh Allen do we age-old question where we have fun with our age gap and I show him things from the 90s and he shows me kid stuff from the last 10 years and we try to identify who it is. Uh, Morgana, I think it is, the kissing bandit. Do you remember her? This was a blonde woman, kind of hourglass, caricature-like Jessica Rabbit figure, and she would just run on the field... most notably at baseball games, and go up and kiss the players. I remember remember seeing she kissed Don Mattingly. She kissed Nolan Ryan, um, Cal Ripken Jr., the stars. And this is the funniest thing. If you were to talk to someone who's like 16 years old right now, I'd be like, yeah, there's this blonde lady, this crazy lady. She'd run on there, kiss the players, and the players loved it. 
they would smile and laugh and everyone would clap and then security would just walk her up. None of this tasing. It wasn't like Kirk Gibson came over and tackled her like Bobby Wagner. It was just Morgana's deal. She would walk on, kiss the players, walk on, and then like a week later, she would just do it again. And it was fun. She was like the San Diego chicken with the double D. Like that was just, she was a mascot, but it was a kissing mascot. And I can't even begin to try to explain this to young people that it was just fine. And you try to think of Morgana the Kissing Bandit now in the 2022 era, she would have 12 million followers. She'd be massive on Instagram and OnlyFans. And uh, she would just be a massive celebrity, but she wouldn't be allowed to. Think about it now that in the middle of the Yankees game, someone would just go out and kiss Aaron Judge and then walk off. And they're like, there's no problem. Everyone's like, ah, don't worry about it. It's just Morgana. That's what she does. It's so funny and so charming in an old-fashioned kind of way. We're talking about fan men, too. He used to just drop in the field with a fan. Um, Morgana right now would not be allowed close to the players. I don't care what she looks like. Fan man would be blown out of the sky with the surface-to-air missile by, like, Homeland Security. The game's changed, my friends. So I know there's some of you out there like, oh, yeah, Morgana was great. Sometimes she was the best part of the game. Uh, Go and Google her. In fact, YouTube her. It's a crazy frozen-in-time thing. I'm going to say prime Morgana, I'm just going to guess, was, like, 88, maybe? Late 80s? That's my guess. So um, nowadays, I guess depending on the state that she did it in, she'd either have a fine, she'd go to jail, or not much. I don't know why the person was on the field last night, something about animals. I'm glad Bobby Wagner lit him up. I wish she should never be allowed to a sporting event again. Have you ever ran on the field? Is there anyone out there? It's an inexplicable thing to do to me. It's like it makes the morons in, in the fight in the stands getting in fist fights like, look like Mensa's. But... They have them all the time. Peyton and, Man- Peyton and Eli were incredible on it. And Morgana, who I understand is still with us. Tweet the show, Morgana. I'm sure you're on Twitter. Uh, that's it. We got to get to um, we gotta get to the big one. We got to get to Josh Allen, who I'm sure is listening and is probably like, who, what, Morgana? We're not going to get any nonsense with him. We have to talk about Ravens, Steelers. Let's just get into it. Every single Tuesday, number 17 for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And there he is, our guy, a win in the Ravens game, not fined for the Dolphins game, justice for Josh Allen. There he is, our guy. Josh, what's up, dude? Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm just hanging out, man. Good to see you. How's London? It's, uh, it, was, it was great. It was far. The food is really weird. Have, we, have you done the, the London game, Josh? I don't remember. Have you done it? No, never, never. Well, listen, you're going soon, dude. They're sending all the stars there. Rodgers is going for the first time this week. Uh, you'll love it. You'll dig it. It's very different from Buffalo, very different from Fireball. But they love 
football over there, and we were watching your game against the Dolphins in a London pub, and they were like losing their minds. They love that kind of stuff. Um, I saw we already had an early cameo from Sky. Sky always comes in yep. hot in the background underneath, underneath the Joker poster. Sky's getting comfortable with the show, and I'm getting comfortable uh, with this. Josh, you guys just had a 20-3 to come-from-behind victory, which is interesting because I was told by certain morons that the Buffalo Bills cannot win close games at all. It's, just, it's not something you guys are capable of. What's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, we are 0-7 in our last eight, but we're 1-0 in our last one, so... That's all that matters. Uh, we found a way to get it done. Um, you know, guys battled. Going down 23, actually, it's never fun, but scoring right before half. Our defense got a big stop. We went down there and we scored right before half. That was probably the biggest drive of the game, um, allowing us to have an opportunity to, to be in that game because, obviously, they were getting the ball at halftime, and who knows, you know, what happens if we don't mm-hmm. score there. Um, but, guys, we, we were resilient. Guys played hard. We played for each other. Um, those are the ones you love to win. They, those are the ones that – build that the team camaraderie and that belief and that trust in one another too. It was awesome to see in the final field goal, you guys set it up perfectly. And then they go to the shot of you and you're kind of on the bench just being by yourself. And then Bash just drills it. It's gotta be given the comeback, given how difficult it was to play there and all this nonsense around close games. It's gotta be one of the more satisfying wins you guys have had. For sure. Um, you can, you can definitely say it was the most important one because it was the next one, you know, and, we're just trying to find a way to go one and zero each week, and that's that's our mindset. That's what Coach McDermott instills in us. Um, just trying to be the best versions of ourselves, find a way to win a game. What's going through your mind when it's fourth and goal for the Ravens, and they leave Lamar out there, and Harbaugh says, "No, we're just going to go for it." And you're watching from the sideline. What were you thinking? Well, I'm I'm either thinking it's a touchdown or it's an incomplete pass, and we're getting the ball at the three. You know, um, if you go back and watch that play, Jordan Poyer made an unbelievable play. I mean, he, he kind of lost his guy um, and he noticed it and he just took off on a beeline, like just straight to where that ball was going to be uh, made a, made a huge play, but the difference of, you know, getting the ball to three yard line compared to the 20 yard line, you know, going from a backed up situation where like, all right, oh, you know, backed up situation. We're, we're trying to get one first down, trying to flip the field. Now it's a 20 yard line. Like let's, let's go find a way to score this, um, score this ball and get it in the end zone or get it through the uprights and allow ourselves to win this game. But um, man, our defense bowed up big time, man. It was, it was awesome. It was fun to be a part of. It was fun to watch, um, you know, and that's not a, that's not a, that's a, that's a really damn good football team that we just played too. Oh yeah, it is. It helps when you have the best safety in the league who makes a huge play on the biggest play in the game at that point. It was incredible. So then you guys get the ball and then the drive you, you're playing and you hit Dawson early and you get the thing going huge roughing the passer penalty. Massive. My question to you, cards on the table. Did you talk them into that penalty? Because it looked like you, you coached them up on it. I'm talking about the officials. No, no. I think, uh, you know, just throughout the, the flow of the game, there had been a couple close ones. Um, and mm-hmm. I just tried to keep my cool, keep my cool. And that last one, you know, felt, felt contact to my face. Um, mm. Yeah, I just kind of looked back and it, it through the flag it's all it's all that matters what's the art of that at this point you're a veteran you probably know the referees a little bit they know you do you chat them during the game like look out for this or like you owe me one for this like what is the process because look this goes back michael jordan used to do it kobe used to do it no matter the sport there's always a a chatter with the officials how do you work that throughout a game you know I, i don't really i don't really talk much um 
I try to let them do their thing. You know, I've got, I'm not a referee. Like I don't, I don't know all the calls. Like that's, that's their job to go out there and make the right calls. And sometimes it goes our way. Sometimes it doesn't go our way. Um, but obviously like guys getting hit, like you, you want to protect your guys as well as possible. Um, and that's, that's the main thing for us. Like wh- whether there's a flag called, not a flag called, it's like, all right, save my two cents and get off the field. I'm not going to continue to work them and, and try to milk them for a call. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of pressure on their shoulders too and, and officiating and I respect what they do and I respect their job. And, um, you know, these guys are, they're human at the end of the day. So, um, they, they want to be treated like humans as well. And that's, that's as, uh, that's as far as I go. See, that's so smart because you just did a monologue on how much you respect the referees and let them do their job and they're human and they're professionals. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear all the barking and the yapping. That's exactly how you get the calls by saying, hey, let them make the calls. But I have to tell you, Josh, my favorite thing in this era of your career, and I watch all your games, the thing that I actually laugh out loud when you do, because I think it's so awesome and so entertaining, it's almost like a signature move at this point. When you have a D lineman comes through and pressures you, and you will straight stiff arm the D lineman like in the face mask and pivot out of it. There's not a lot of quarterbacks who do that. Take me through that move because I feel like it's almost become signature for you. It's going to be a sack. Oh, no, he stiff arms him and spins out and then chucks it. It's like your pro wrestling move. I love it. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of instinctual. It's nothing that I really yeah. practice. I've never really practiced scramble drill. Um, it's just something that's kind of come innately and in, in over the, the course of my football career just – you know, they're, they're going for this thing in the right hand. Yeah. So if I could extend my left hand, that makes it a little distance further from them getting to the ball. Um, and they're so gung ho about trying to get strip sacks. And I think that's at them again, that's, yeah. that's a huge game changer is to get a strip sack. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's, it, it, it's like in, uh, you know, NCAA, you could change like my defense is aggressive for stripping the ball, but that means totally. they're going to be more susceptible to missing tackles. So I think it uh, kind of plays there, but, um, you know, it's just it's a, me finding a way to make a, t- a play for our team. And um, sometimes it works out, you know, um, I think most of the time it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you got you to roll with the good and the bad there. It's so badass, but I don't want to bury the lead here. Who was your NCAA team? Who'd you like to play with? Um, I mean, I, I grew up as a Fresno State Bulldog fan. Um, sure. Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. I'm all about the pokes. Not too big on the Bulldogs. Um, but it was them. I, I played with Stanford a lot. I played with USC a lot. So basically all the California schools. So would you be playing, was it like Sanchez at USC or like John David Booty or Liner? Like who are we talking? Yeah, it would have been the Reggie Bush uh, Liner era. Oh, yes. Um, you know, you go down, you download Pasta Padre, you get all the names on the players there. And, you know, it was... Uh, that was probably my favorite game, favorite game growing up. Yeah, it was the best. Reggie Bush did nasty things to Fresno, among other teams. Like, <laughs> that was basically mm-hmm. his deal. Um, Steelers, come this week, coming to town. I, they got this quarterback, Kenny Pickett. He's making his first start ever. And we were looking back at you. Week 2, 2018, versus the Chargers. believe that was your first ever start as an NFL quarterback. Like, can you empathize with this? Like, what's going through his head? What do you remember about you're the man, first NFL start ever? What's it like? Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a couple more weeks on me than I than I had. Um, going into week two, man, like I I was I was extremely flustered by you know the game plan, the play calling, 
the protection, like just trying to figure all that stuff out. Like I remember like yeah. calling the wrong protection, like at the line of scrimmage and my line's looking back at me like, what, what are you, what are you doing? You can't, you can't do that. I'm like, it's, it's an odd front. You can't do that. I'm like, just go that way. You know, like just trying to figure it out. Um, there's a lot of stuff flying, you know, especially uh, playing a defense like the chargers were, they were, they were a really good defense um, that year. And they've been a good defense for a long time, but that year they were, they were really good. Um, you know, and I think our defense is pretty dang good too. So um, I don't want to give them too many secrets right away. You know, maybe I'll talk to them after the game and we can talk, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, we, we got to go find a way to win a football game. Do you remember, Josh, was there, was there a game or maybe even a season when the kid from out of Wyoming who's saying go this way and messing up the protection calls, was there a moment when it, it slowed down and you're like, I feel much more comfortable now. I'm coming into my own. Yeah, I think it was after that uh, Patriots game. I threw three interceptions in the first half, got uh, got knocked out of that game. Um, but like just sitting there and, and talking with Coach McDermott, talking with Dable the day after, and just you know cha- changing my mindset um, a little bit in terms of what to think about, when to kind of do hero ball, if you will, um, trusting the other ten guys on the football field with me and not trying to do too much. And um, it's been it's been very beneficial for me that that game and. Obviously, wasn't uh, wasn't fun to be a part of in in the moment, um, but looking back, like that was probably the best thing to happen to me. You've had some better days against the Patriots since then, for sure. Um, have you? You mentioned Dable. Are you keeping your eye on the Giants? Like, what are your thoughts on it? They're all three and one. It's awesome. They're going to London to play the Packers. What do you think? Yeah, three. I mean, three and one. It's it's fantastic. I I, I still oh, talk yeah. to a few guys that are that were teammates here. Obviously, Davis Webb, John Feliciano, but. He's just got everybody bought on, bought in. Like they, they all love Dable. Like he's a competitive dude. Um, he's a great guy. He cares about his, his players. They're playing really hard. And for them to kind of, kind of be in that situation last week, right. They, Daniel, Daniel Jones goes down with an ankle. Tyrod gets knocked out and Saquon has to be the wildcat quarterback for a little bit and allow time to get Daniel back in. Um, but not too many times are you able to win a football game, you know, having that happen to you. So guys are, guys are bought in. He's, he's been obviously doing the right things. Um, you know, hopefully they can keep it going. Um, you're going to hate this. I'm just going to tell you now you play the Steelers this week after that, uh, you, you play the chiefs and you've played them before for sure. The cliche is one game at a time. And I totally get it. The whole world's going to be losing their minds about Bill's chiefs. How do you stay focused? That's a huge national story that everyone's going to be talking about. How do you stay focused this week? We have to. It's 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 the next game on our schedule, the Steelers, and it's our biggest game on the schedule. So that's that's all we're looking at. I, I honestly um, hand the Bible, hand to God. Didn't know we were playing yeah. them next week. Like we we are focused as a team on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and um, you know when it's time to turn the page, we'll turn the page. But you know it's not the time yet. The guy went hand to Bible, didn't know they were playing the Chiefs next week. That's how focused he is. I completely believe you. You're playing a rookie quarterback in the Steelers. Who the hell knows what he's capable of coming into your house? I love it. I'll go hand to Bible here, too, as Josh. We're going to do uh, an old bit we do here that Josh and I have done a couple times called uh, Age-Old Question. The, the idea here is that Josh was born in 1996. I was born in 1979. There is a massive, massive age gap here. So we played twice. Josh has won once. I've won once. I'm going to show Josh someone from the 90s era. He just has to say who it is. Then he's going to show someone me from his childhood or his era and see how old or what an old head I am. Are you ready to go? It's one-to-one. This is a rubber match. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. 
All right, people are still laughing at me about how you tried to identify Malik Lewinsky. Josh, who is that? Who is that a picture of? Looking, she's blonde, she's on stage, she has a microphone. Anything Looks coming like to singer. mind who that is? It is a singer, for I, sure. I've got I've got one guess, I think. Go on. I've got two, but I think I think I think that's Madonna. Josh says Madonna. Who was your other guess? It was gonna be Christina Aguilera. See, that's so fascinating. And you know what, Josh? You're right. That's Madonna. It was the Cone Bra and okay. the Blonde Ambition Tour. That is Madonna. All right. It's um, one of the biggest entertainers in the world at the time. I can see the Christina confusion because I think Christina was kind of going with Madonna's look. So he's on the board. Now fire back at me something from your era. Let me see if I can keep, keep pace. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Okay. Josh said, oh, yes, like he was about to stiff arm me. Um, I'm looking right there. Not only do I know who those kids are, I will tell you that we're looking at a, a publicity image from the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. I thought I was going to get Is that, you. Are yeah, those your guys? Yeah. Uh, I grew up watching Sweet Life of Zach and Cody actually turned on uh, Big Daddy last night, too. And obviously, Cole and Dylan were the, the little boy and Big Daddy. So that's, uh, yeah, coincidence. Those are the kids. And Cole and Dylan, I yep. think they have a line in that movie where they like they they slander the Jets, which whatever, what are you gonna do? All right, yeah. one to one. Yeah. Right? Don't they like, ah, oh, the Jets yep. suck? Okay, oh, Josh, who's God. that? You need this one for the win. Who is it? It's a gentleman with blonde hair and a leather jacket. He looks very serious, very sexy. Who is it? What do you think? Familiar? I I don't know which way to go here. Um <laughs> You're in the two-minute, buddy. Got to make a decision. Anything coming to mind? No. May, uh, singer. He sings. Right, I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to give you a clue. Aaron, roll, Aaron roll the video. I don't know. Roll the video. We have video that, that is pertinent to this, and it involves you. We have video. Okay. I think we do, at least. Josh, you know what this oh, is? Oh, it's... The lead singer from, I'm assuming, the Backstreet from Boys. What? The Backstreet it Boys. It is. What are we seeing in this video? What are you doing? <laughs> they were trying to get me to, to get in there and dance and sing with them. They were doing like an Instagram live, and I walked up, and I was, I was just, I got to get out of here. So I'm um, assuming it's the lead singer for Backstreet Boys, but I don't know his name. Well, listen, the okay, Backstreet it, Boys are a team, see? my friend. There's not really a lead singer. Um, I'm going to give you half a point. The name is Nick Carter. You know Nick Carter? Oh, okay. Uh, so when I said Aaron, I was thinking Aaron Carter. Are they related by any chance? Yeah, they're they're brothers, in fact. And I I, I think they've had a falling out. But yeah, you know Aaron Carter because he's a little <laughs> younger, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So here's where we're at. Josh is up 1.5 to 1. Hit me with your final picture. And if I nail it, I win the thing. What, oh, here we go. Oh, my God. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I know what that is. I, all right, I don't, but it's one of these annoying little kid cartoons. Uh, I think you already showed me Jimmy Neutron, so it's not that. Is it, um, I don't know, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Is that, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. What is it? You gave, yeah. Uh, this is Cosmo from the Fairly Odd Parents. 
which is a, another kid show that I grew up, you know, early 2000s, late 1990s. Yeah. Um, yeah, was, he, he was Cosmo. Like this is, uh, this is one of the, the more watched shows I ever had. I, I watched this as a kid a lot. That and Jimmy Neutron, like I said, Recess, um, Rocket Power. So, yeah. So I think I, I'm, I'm taking this. I'm taking. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the out. I'm down two to one. 1.5 to 1, your final score. I don't know the Fairly Odd Parents. It was just a Fairly Odd character. Uh, Josh, you're up 2 to 1. I'll get you next time. Quickly, uh, the Josh Allen Film Festival. Um, this has been a big success. Every week we give Josh a movie to watch from before his time. Shawshank, an A. National Empire's Vacation, an A-. minus, And then 1995's Heat, a B. Josh, last week we went back to comedy. We talked about Groundhog Day. Did you watch Groundhog Day? And please give us your thoughts. I did, and I I thought it was more of a uh, kind of like a rom com. Like I thought, Bill Murray, the whole love story, him kind of finding himself, basically lived a whole life, learned the piano, learned how to freaking carve ice, um, save people's lives. Like he like knew everything about that day, and obviously him falling in love uh, with the producer and her really falling in love back. I think that was kind of the, the yep. most important thing. But he had, I know we just talked about Shawshank Redemption, but he had his own redemption within that, that movie. So it was really good. I'm going to give that a B plus. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It's a great review. It could have been called the Groundhog Redemption. Uh, at some point, if you're bored, yeah. Josh, read the on the set stories about how difficult Bill Murray was to work with. And like everyone hated him. And after every take, they would just walk out of camera because he was so weird and so eccentric. Um, but it is the ultimate time loop movie. It's a B plus. And now, Josh, as we go into the next game, we back to drama week. So we have 10 movies. Yeah. I got a menu and I'm going to let you pick. What movie have you not seen here that's kind of jumping out to you? I'm just going to read them. Bloodsport, Under Siege, The Fugitive, Rage of the Lost Ark, Roadhouse, Pulp Fiction, Gladiator, The Usual Suspects, Seven, and Fargo. Anything catch your fancy? So I've watched The Usual Suspects. I've watched Seven. I've watched Gladiator. Um, okay. I've watched Pulp, Pulp Fiction, but I have not seen anything okay. else. And I've watched enough Family right. Guy to understand Roadhouse. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Again. So the other the other four I'm not too familiar with. All right, so then I'm going to assign you. I want you to watch is, the Fugitive. Okay. The what Fugitive. were you going to say? Was is Raiders of the Lost Ark? Is that Indiana Jones? Yeah, it's another Harrison Ford movie. Okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark is the first Indiana Jones movie. Have you not seen any indie movies at all? No, I, I have. Indiana I have Jones seen movies? this one. Yes. All right, so never mind then. We'll go Harrison Ford, The Fugitive. It's a great Chicago movie. It's a, Tommy Lee Jones won the Oscar. I'm going to leave it to you. It's an awesome, okay. awesome movie, dude. Are you into it and you're ready? I'm ready. I'll download it today. Um, that's our guy. That's Josh Allen featuring Sky. Uh, he's not a Backstreet fan, but he loves The Odd Parents or whatever that show is called. Uh, dude, have a week. We will see you next week. Appreciate you. We're drinking the JA17 blend. Get after it, man. See ya. Love it. Thank you, Cal. Appreciate you guys. See you, Josh. That's our guy. That's Josh Allen. How about him saying, hand on the Bible, I had no idea we're even playing the Chiefs after this week. And I 100% believe him. That was great. He's always great. And he'll probably throw six touchdowns against the Steelers this week. That's just what he does. But you know what we do? We keep aware of all the headlines. And for that, we go to the kind of guy who, if you ask him if he's ready, he says, I was born ready. And we all know that guy. He's born ready, and he's Sam Pepper bringing us brand awareness. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There he is. What's up, bud? How you feeling? Um, I'm born ready. I mean, that's really how I'm feeling. I'm ready to go. How about uh, you? I know you are. There's a certain breed of guy who answers, are you ready with I was born ready? I dabbled in it, but I, I get the feeling you're a lifer. I don't mind it. It says something about you. Are you born <laughs> ready to give headlines today, and what do you got? I am. I am. All right. First up, two is out for the Dolphins, obviously. Teddy Bridgewater in for Sunday's game against the Jets. Tyreek Hill was asked about whether he could put up numbers with any quarterback. He said yes, saying he could even put up numbers with the reporter who asked him the question, Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN. So what have you? What do you make of what Tyreek had to say? I think he's probably right. You know, first of all, everyone just said Tyreek was going to fall off the table with Mahomes going to Tua, and with Tua, he's been spectacular—not not fine, not decent, not great, spectacular—like each and every week. So I think he probably will be fine with Bridgewater. I mean, he, Bridgewater chucked one really far last week. We just think of him as this checkdown guy with the gloves and all that. He'll be fine. But more importantly, here. Uh, he says Marcel Louis-Jacques uh, could put up numbers with him. So the way we think here in the basement is always, all right, let's say that some strange series of events, a la the film King Ralph, in which John Goodman became the King of England because everyone was killed in the royal family and he was like a 16th level relative. Let's say something like that happened. And a, an NFL reporter did have to start at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Now, I, I don't know Marcel Louis-Jacques' background enough. Uh, I know he works the NFL for ESPN, and I'm sure he's fantastic if Tyreek thinks he can catch balls from him. But I think it begs the question, which NFL reporter do you think would put up the best numbers? You could maybe even have him or her in your fantasy lineup as quarterback of the Dolphins this Sunday. So I have a few thoughts of my own, but we asked the, the people, we asked you guys, who do you want starting? Because Mar- Mar- Marcel Louis-Jacques can't play for the Dolphins. Who do you want? Uh, Nick says a rap sheet. All right, uh, you're talking about Ian Rappaport, who is a neighbor of mine and a friend of mine and a colleague of mine. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Ian is uh, an accomplished uh, baseball player. He's also, he was on the crew team. I think it, he went to Columbia. I think he rode crew at Columbia. So he's strong and hardworking. And I know in baseball, he was a catcher. So uh, he, had a, he has a strong arm. A slightly diminutive man. I, I don't know how he would do. He might have to have like Kyler-like speed in the NFL to play quarterback for the Dolphins. So maybe he does. I've never run with him or anything. Rap sheet's an interesting suggestion. Who next? Uh, who else could play quarterback for the Dolphins? Who would put up the best numbers with Tyreek Hill? Who else would the people say on Twitter? All right, Pete Shaw, Mina Kimes. I don't really think, is Mina even a reporter? I, I think of her as a writer and kind of a content creator and more than an analyst. She's done color commentary before. I'm sure she'd be great because Mina's one of those people who she gets the articles and the tweets that are like, is there anything Mina Kimes can't do? She gets it. Nate Burleson gets it. So yeah, she would probably step in and throw for 290 with three touchdowns. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Next, who else played quarterback? Ed Warder. 
<laughs> Shane Finnegan says Ed Werder, who is just this venerable reporter I always associate with the Cowboys, he's got a sweet Magnum PI mustache. Can't I, I don't know Ed's background athletically. Um, I, I, sure, I, I don't know enough about this, but here's the thing: Sam Pepper is itching to get in here. I know he has thoughts. He has a different perspective than I do because he's been a producer for a long time. Well, I've been doing this stuff. And I know he knows a lot of these reporters personally, has been watching them. So, Sam, you are um, Mike McDaniel, and you can pick any NFL reporter, reporter again, the guy's not ex-player, not host, reporter, and to start at quarterback this weekend and try to get the ball to Tyreek, who are you going with? I think it's pretty easy. I mean, I, I okay. think it's pretty obvious. I think it has to be Jay Glazer. I mean, the guy works out with NFL players regularly. He could probably, like, I don't know about his arm. He's a, you know, he's a strong guy. And I feel like yep. he could run kind of like a Taysom Hill offense. Um, okay. Definitely be hard to tackle for sure. Yeah. Um, and yep. like I said, works out with NFL players regularly. He, he, knows, he knows what he's up against. And I think he'd be great, personally. I like the suggestion. I do. Uh, Jay Glazer has the physicality of the old He-Man character, Ram Man. And, like, I wouldn't want to get in the way of it. Uh, works out in shape. I, again, I don't know if he can throw, but I don't think we're throwing in the Glazer offense. I think it is, it's a lot of quarterback sneak. It's, but, again, then, how do you get it to Tyreek? At some point, you have to throw. I think we would have to develop a reversed-based offense. Whatever it is, we're going to work it in the dojo. Because with Glazer, I don't know him well. I've met him before. It always comes down to the dojo. And this guy's working in the Jay Glazer dojo, and he's in the octagon. And I remember, like, like Jared Allen used to be always be working in the dojo. So uh, just give Glazer at 48 hours notice. He will have the inside scoop on himself starting for the Dolphins, <laughs> and he'll get in the dojo, and we're going to have to run a heavily run-based attack. I don't know who could throw. Is there The problem is with reporters is they're not usually ex-players. The ex-players almost invariably become studio hosts or something. Stacey Dales of the NFL Network is a former All-American Olympic winner basketball player, and she's very tall and athletic. So I'd throw Stacey out there. Why the hell not? I'd go with Stacey or Field Yates, who I don't know if you know about Field Pepper. Field used to play the Sweet Lax. I mean, I, I believe he was the Sweet Lax guy. Which, and so he's got the, obviously he's got the Lax name. He's got the Lax mentality. I might run with Field. I mean, this why not, right? Field, I'd take him. Does Scott Hansen count? I mean, the guy played football at Cuse, right? Am I, am I right? Yeah, I think he was a walk-on at Syracuse. Oh, man, can you imagine Hanson in oh the <laughs> Here we go. Spread right, Green Fox, 38 special on two. Like, I'd be like, oh, man, how are we going to do this, Hanson, for four quarters? And I have never used the restroom during a football game. I love Hanson. I don't know what position he played. He'll probably let us know, but Hanson's a great... I don't know if Hanson's a reporter either. He's just more of like an icon. Um, so it's a great one. I would love to see Hanson throw to Tyreek Hill. I just love to see Hanson in the NFL so we could call his own highlight. It's all kinds of good. Um, and this is one of those topics we do in the basement, Sam, where you and I are going to spend 26 minutes trying to think of new reporters, <laughs> and at some point you're going to sell me that Josina Anderson could throw for 300 yards against the Dolphins. we got to move on. What else? What else is in the headlines? Well, speaking of Josina Anderson, she reported during yeah. last night's game that free agent Odell Beckham Jr. was visiting his former team, the Giants. So for about 10 minutes, the Twitter world was on fire, you know, thinking OBJ might be back in MetLife. But soon after, we realized he was just visiting Sterling Shepard, who suffered that torn ACL, saying hi to some friends. But with all that said, where do you think Odell lands? 
Yeah, not the Giants. It's really fun. It would, like, everyone's minds would be blown if you came back. It's just like it's these annoying, not fun, practical reasons. Like, I don't know, they decided to pay Kenny freaking Galladay a hundred million bucks or whatever it is when everyone knew that he was not desirable, yet he was the biggest name free agent, so they paid him. It, Odell's not going to happen there, at least not on this thing. You know, everyone's just waiting for the Rams to, to you know, re-sign him or anything. If you're Odell right now, do you even want to go to the Rams? Like, they... Not the way they look, not the way they're playing. If you're Odell, you want to get some money, and maybe you want to get another Super Bowl. So he's going to come back. I always hear November, you're saying, um, but it's not going to be the Giants. Honestly, the one that would really bring the house down, I mean, really, is if he went to the Jets. And then he could do the New York thing, and he could be looked at as kind of a turncoat, and maybe the Jets are, like, hanging in there by November. I just remember Rookie Odell, and this is before the catch. Rookie Odell was like the most electric thing you've ever seen. It was so cool. I don't even, this is when he became famous when he did that. But early on, rookie year stuff, when he was just, oh my God. Whoever had him in fantasy that year drafted him really late and just blew everyone away. I missed the guy on the field. So I would like him to go to the Jets, but who the hell knows? He'll be back somewhere. Someone will sign him. Yeah, I I think either the Packers or the Chiefs or the Cowboys tend to be the most rumored spots. But we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Finally, uh, Kyle, I know you love technology. So here's a story for you. Mm -hmm. Um, A robot developed at Oregon State broke the Guinness World Record by running 100 meters on two legs in less than half a minute. That robot named Cassie, apparently. And I'm quoting an article here. It says, it's the first bipedal robot to use machine learning to control a running gate outdoor terrain. Kyle, how should we feel about this? Terrible. There's only one, there's, there's no other way to feel. Like, everyone loves to say, oh, look, the robots, they're being built and it's going to be the end of the world. Guys, this is not a joke. And I don't know who Boston Dynamics is, but screw them. What are they doing? Here, here's what I would say. The movie Idiocracy, Mike Judge, was looked at as this fetching farce about the future of America and everyone just gets dumber and looks at screens all the time and forgets how to communicate. And now it is commonly referenced in pop culture and by scholars as really, really visionary. That like, wow, idiocracy is actually taking place. I I grew up in the Terminator movies. Here's the way this works. It's simple. I'm not even being dramatic and I'm not being sarcastic. You start building the robots. They get more and more advanced physically and they can accomplish all these things. And then you're like, well, I'm not happy with that. I want to increase the robot's intelligence. I want to give it problem-solving capabilities. I want to give it a mind of its own. And then you keep going and keep going. And next thing, that it does have a mind of its own. It says, wait a second. I'm a sentient being. I have feelings. I'm being controlled. Maybe I'll just take out my minigun and mow down all the scientists and then send the nukes to Russia so they can send them. Do we want this? First of all, this thing is putting boxes on a shelf that's somebody's job. You're fired. Whoever was the box shelf guy. That's, I don't know, you're making 15 bucks an hour doing that? Great. Putting food on the table. Now this idiot robot, the, more boxes. There's two things that'll happen. At, at best, the robot, the big robot, is costing people jobs. This guy's got a hockey stick and he's knocking the box out of its hand. At best, the robots are going to cost people jobs. At worst, they're going to cost us lives. We may be a long way from nuclear holocaust caused by robots. Are we that long? And people say, like, well, we want to have robots in the military. I guess then you're replacing human lives, but, like, you're telling me that the robots are going to be on a battlefield against other robots. Who's to say the robots are going to be like, hey, dude, 
Why don't we team up? We can take over all this stuff. We can have a robot planet. Like, great idea. And then, and then they just start turning around and mowing us down. Stop with the robot construction. I, I honestly, the people who are doing this are obviously very, very smart. Why don't they work on some other crap? Put these people on diseases or space exploration or any, how to fix the Rams offense, anything. I, I, I don't get titillated by these videos. This robot's opening a door. That's the front door of my house. He's coming in to kill us all. I, I don't want that. And if he has a lock on it, this one looks like it from the Empire Strikes Back or something. Imagine if you were walking in the woods with your family and you're going to have a picnic and you saw this thing. They call it Big Dog. Boston Dynamics, my new least favorite company. Least favorite. I hate them. Boston Dynamics making these people, these future implements of war, and they're so proud of themselves. Look, what we created this robot that can walk. It's going to do so much good. What good is that thing doing? Taking jobs, scaring people, making people nervous, creating anxiety, thinking the run for human beings is over. Idiocracy is coming true. You don't think Terminator 2 could come through? Watch a movie. Watch the movie Cyborg with Van Damme. It's horrible. But the cyborgs take over. They always take over. So what's my take on the robots developing? The only take there is. It's horrible, terrifying, and inevitable. Pepper, talk me off the ledge. Are you like, cool, robots. I want a robot dog. I don't. I mean, a robot dog would be nice. You probably don't have to walk it. I understand. But I'm with you. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's terrifying. I mean, the only benefit could be if you had a robot Jay Glazer playing quarterback for the Dolphins. I think that would be ideal. You know what, Sam? I think we already do. I, I, I think we maybe already do. I, I think that might be one of the prototypes. I don't. Glazer is wired so hard, he might be a robot. We might already, might already have that, okay? We have plenty of robots already, people who are robot-like. We have Marcus Mariota. We have Russell Wilson's obviously a robot. We don't need to start creating him. Man, I got fired up about that because, I don't know, I, I feel almost my protective instincts kick in. You're gonna, you know what's going to happen is that people are going to start getting the robot dogs or robot maids or something like that and you're they're gonna be walking on the street with a robot dog and i'm gonna be walking on the street with my kids and get that robot dog away from me i don't trust it i'm not interested in it i don't care about how it charges or how life like it is i just don't want any part of that i don't and we've been seeing these since the since the internet age we've been seeing these since the 1990s look now a robot can stand up now it can walk now it can run now it's setting speed records now it has a sniper rifle now it has a laser gun now it has the world now it has the the, the football and i don't mean the one in the league i'm talking about the nuclear codes Ugh. it's it's uh, my paranoia kicks in i get all anxiety ridden i am aware of it thanks to brand awareness but we need to probably avoid most robot based brand awareness because otherwise the vein in my neck starts popping out pepper it's noted, noted. No more robot talk. That's the end of the robot talk. Unless, of course, I'm replaced by a robot producer, then we can talk about it. You will be. And I'll be replaced by a robot too. Like, that's just, it's all great. They can do all these things. You idiots, they're taking the jobs away. It's, all right, I got to stop. I've already made the point. Time to throw <laughs> a dart. Thank you, Pepper. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, throw a dart. And it better, you guys better not be doing a quick change to the full screen to make it into more robot topics. Let's see. Uh, the topic that I'm going to talk about today to end the show. That is an 18. 18 is the random topic. I haven't seen any of these. The producers make them up. Give me the full screens. Best villain? is That's, that's topic number 18? Um, all right. So, th- like I said, there's 20 of them. Apparently, the 18th one was who is the best villain? Well, 
Oh yeah, there it is. Best villain. If it was 17, we would have movie court on the spot. Other one would have been recreate my favorite touchdown dance, and I'm not. I'm glad it wasn't that because you know how much I hate the gritty. Best villain. Well, if I was really going to be a wise ass, I would just say the robots from Boston Dynamics. But I think they've taken enough on this show. Best villain. All right. So you know, you start with the Hall of Famers. Um, Darth Vader, obviously, you know, even though it doesn't make sense that he breathes with a respirator, but the breaths don't sync up with his words. James Earl Jones just recently uh, laid down his red lightsaber and will not be doing the voice anymore. That's villains. Um, let me tell you my favorite villain. I One of my favorite movies ever is Seven, and it's one of the movies that came up earlier in the show as potential for Josh to watch. I think he said he's seen it. The the John Doe villain in that movie is is awesome, and for a million different reasons. Not only because it's a this genius psychopath who leading Mills and Somerset on this chase across the, the the city in the Seven Deadly Sins, it's that the villain is not even introduced until like two hours in the movie. You don't really see them, and then it's this kind of guy who was becoming a movie star right in front of us, Kevin Spacey, and the way that. They just have the cool and calm, and he shaves off his fingernails. It's just so unbelievably well done, and every second he's on screen, you're uncomfortable. And the best part about it is, if you really embrace villainy, um, about 20-some years later, it, it turns out that maybe the bigger villain than the Kevin Spacey character is Kevin Spacey. So it all works out. It's my favorite, my favorite villain from my favorite movie, um, with the exception of the big dog robot walking through the woods outside my house. It's going to be kicking down my door and blasting me with Uzi Fire in five seconds. Thank you to you guys. Thank you to Josh. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Love you. Uh, Morgana, the Kissing Bandit. Love you wherever you are. See you guys. That's The Basement.